Welcome back to another episode of Smack Talk, social, mobile, analytics, and cloud. Today, we're going to talk about the big boys, the big technology boys or girls, whichever you want to label them. But before we get into that, my name is Brian Fanzo, millennial keynote speaker, joined as always by Mr. Daniel Newman, master of all, king of multiple companies, and uh, analyst guru. Uh, how are you doing today, Daniel? I like how your introduction is sound and clean, and mine is like, I don't know what to call this guy, but uh, I think cool change stuff. it. It's no longer uh, better known as iSocial Fans. It's now a millennial keynote speaker. I like it. I like it because we, you and I, 10 days apart, so close to not being millennials that we hang our hats very <laughs> firmly, our flat-brimmed hats very firmly on being barely millennials. Now, the wrinkles and gray hair in my beard is starting to make me think millennials aren't so young anymore. Um, but yeah, all good stuff. And wow, what a week this week has been. It's been a huge tech week, tons of news, tons of earnings, but we don't talk about that crap here. We talk about big, fun, interesting, uh, earth-shattering stories that relate to social, mobile, analytics, and cloud. And in this case, this story kind of hits on all of them social mobile analytics and cloud. You've got Google, you've got Facebook, and you've got Apple, and you've got them in a bit of a feud right now. And it seems at the moment all is okay again, but let's take a little bit of the backstory. I found a really good article on Business Insider. I'm going to use it to sort of set the stage for what we're going to talk about right now. And the title of the article was, the squabble between Apple, Facebook, and Google shows how the three have become gatekeepers with enormous power. So what sort of happened, what didn't sort of happen, what actually happened this week was Apple locked out Facebook and Google employees from uh, internal iPhone apps um, because of some violations of policies of the way they were building apps and who they were distributing them to, how they were being distributed, and what Apple seemed as some sort of violation of their uh, policy for applications. Um, Saw some crazy news like, uh, was it uh, Google employees couldn't uh, see their lunch menus at, at work and all these <laughs> yeah, different all inter- stories. All internal lunch menus. Yeah. Were just, so all it? kinds of things that they were using, these internal apps and tools that were built for, um, were, were cut off on a whim by uh, Apple and, and Tim Cook. And we're done to kind of show, I, I feel like, to show a little bit of power that Apple has in the ecosystem to giveth and taketh away. Now, um, you know, there was a, a whole bunch of, of other controls, right? Facebook has, you know, you heard last week about some you know, behavioral issues, how they were using some um, applications that were skipping the store that essentially broke some of Apple's privacy rules. And so Apple uh, kind of went after Facebook for that same reason. But essentially, um, you know, Apple, I think, what do you think, Brian? I guess maybe I'll ask you, it seems like they're making a stand to say, hey, we're a company that's focused on privacy. We focus on rules. We we're, we are a better privacy and data company to our uh, users than you are. What do you think the real stem of this whole decision to make such a public spectacle of of Facebook and Google? What, what, was, what, was, what, was, what were they thinking? 
know, it's interesting because I think when you, you know, when we first started, I was like, holy, like, wow, this is definitely flex your muscle, show who's the, who's the man. And, but then there's also an element of like, when you look into it, like they were giving Facebook special treatment, which makes sense. I mean, let's face it. It's the number one app in the app store. It's been, you know, Facebook is the big gorilla. So they were giving them special treatment to begin with. Um, they were giving them exclusive access to begin with, but then Facebook still decided to kind of go outside of the parameters of the rule. And as you said, you know, Apple is trying to flex their muscle around privacy, security, um, you know, trying to quote unquote do the right thing. The irony of this is it happens the same week where a FaceTime bug came out to where if you called somebody on FaceTime audio, you could listen to what they were talking about before they picked up on the phone call. So much so that Apple had to disable FaceTime to fix this bug. The crazy part is the bug was actually discovered by a kid that was playing Fortnite that was trying to add people to a group call. And all of a sudden his friends are like, I can hear you playing uh, Fortnite before they picked up. Anyhow, the, it was a very, it's a very interesting, you know, I would say that, you know, one of these things where you're like, you know, Apple and, you know, and as for as much as we talk about Apple on the show, you know, I think early on on this show, when we launched this podcast, a lot of it was positivity, our love for Apple, um, also kind of like in the Steve Jobs, Tim Cook transition. But I think Apple is in this weird spot. You know, they had the, their worst Q4 earnings that they've ever had, uh, you know, in the fall. And I also feel like they're in this spot where, you know, their, their technology, let's face it. I mean, we're majority of us are using, I am Apple everything at the moment. Uh, I know we talked about last episode, Daniel's kind of uh, gone a little bit more Microsoft, um, you know, in his old age at the moment. Um, but I think the other piece of this is, you know, it's Facebook and Google, right? From a standpoint of, you know, we talk a lot about collaboration, all these apps working together. And uh, I read a good article. I can't remember who wrote it. I think it might have been TechCrunch, you know, about Facebook's, you know, Facebook is what Facebook is really good at is it's helping other business do business, right? And part of it is, you know, you know, your amount of time that you spend on your Apple iPhone, let's face it, is in a lot of the Facebook apps. I mean, Facebook, I mean, WhatsApp is the number one app, Facebook app, uh, Instagram app, you have pages, all those other things. So there is like some codependency, but there is this weird, like, I almost like it, I kind of like the move from a Tim Cook perspective of just kind of resetting the ground, reminding everybody that we have, we have the power to do this, but it's almost as bad. And we've talked about this example in the past is that, I mean, Amazon and Bezos could do the same thing to Netflix, right? Netflix is hosted for the majority part on Amazon AWS servers. If Amazon wanted to flex their muscles, they could really screw around with uh, Netflix and kind of disable that. So I think the the weird thing is, what is the byproduct for Facebook and Google? Is there a path for them to be less reliable on on Apple, or is it? Are they gonna? I mean, I, the article I read, there was a leaked Facebook memo, and it pretty much exclusively said, "Hey, team, we have to be better working with Apple because we are reliant on it." That's a very interesting statement from executives of Facebook. Yeah, the same executives that said we need those whale customer kids to keep buying apps or keep yep. playing games and racking up those dollars, mom and dad. Yep, yep, yep. Um, so listen, I think this is this. So I refer back and I said this article, it breaks it down really nice. It talks about how the squabble matters. And it says, this is how it breaks down. Apple controls our phones. If they're yeah. iPhones, right? And, and the article was on to say, if you have software to distribute to iPhone, iPad users, you are at Apple's mercy. If the company kicks you out of the store, you've got no customers. It, it, obviously, Android has part of the ecosystem too, and it's less tightly controlled. Right. But Google could actually do the same thing to people who are uh, distributing software on the Android platform. But Apple controls that, that environment. And if you're on an iPhone, they control your world. And if you're 
just like when they changed the rates, right? They yep. raised the rates a lot and nobody could do anything. They're basically like, and this goes back, this is a little bit like what Microsoft did and got slapped really hard for not that long ago. So it's interesting, but you know, they're starting to use almost monopolistic power to determine what a product can sell for in their marketplace. Uh, then it says Facebook controls our access to people through its billions wide social graph. It controls much of the world's interpersonal communication. So if Facebook removes your account, you can't connect to your personal network. Of course you can use other networks, but <laughs> Facebook controls you. If they decide your account is suspended or banned or we, they don't want you on it, you're done. They, you don't have any say in that. Right. Um, and then finally Google uh, controls our access to information. So starting point for getting answers to almost all your questions. It's your search, it's your maps, it's YouTube videos. Um, if they want to block a piece of content, it can basically make that piece of content invisible to the world. Yep. And so it's, these companies have a tremendous amount of power. So you have kind of two things at stake here, Brian. You have the first thing is their use of power over one another, which I kind of look at two ways. I think it's good they're competing and smacking each other back and forth because let's face it, if the three of them really got in cahoots, they, they, I might, they might really control the world. Um, on the other hand, though, um, I think that desire to be dominant, right? This is kind of, in Apple's case, another example of them wanting to wield just how powerful of a company they are. And to say, look, we're not just picking on the small guys. We'll pick on the half trillion dollar companies we'll pick on the ones that are almost as big as we are in google we'll pick on whoever we want because we at the device level having this popular device platform everything starts and ends with us none of the stuff you do matters if it's not being done on a device and in the case of facebook they have really no devices they have a video conferencing solution i guess you could call it that nobody's going to use until they get their privacy house in order mm-hmm. and google has a small hardware um you know ecosystem primarily third party oems with android and a small you know pixel solution in chromebooks yep. but even the chromebooks are typically usually made by other vendors so apple they've a big hardware uh wield and they also have a, a very uh highfalutin demographic of customers who use their products, right? Apple tends to have uh, a lot of the most affluent people are using the products. So they wield a ton of power. And so to me, like I said, it's a a really interesting predicament, but it also just goes to show how quickly um, one company can sort of take the wheels out. And, you you know, I want to go into two more areas, but let me ask this, Brian. You think Apple did the right thing? Uh, I wouldn't say right thing. I think it's an I think it's an interesting play. Um, I don't I don't really fault them for it. I think it's an interesting flex of muscles. I also think it's I think it's maybe a greater sign of the world we're living in at the moment. Where let's face it, Facebook's getting into trouble for using data. Uh, majority of the users that are using Facebook are doing it from their mobile device. The majority of those users are using the mobile devices that are made by Apple. There is a there is a pipeline of association here. So I guess that's where I looked at it. It's more of like, uh, you know, if you're going to hold Apple a little bit accountable for what um, people that are using their apps are doing, then Apple also has to be able to flex their muscle and say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna have to um, you know own some of these things from the top down. So let me ask you a speculative question: If Google or Facebook ever decided to stop making their apps available 
to Apple, meaning they only built an Android app. Do you think it would affect the Apple ecosystem? Would people leave the Apple ecosystem if they couldn't do Facebook on their iPhone? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I mean, I don't think they would. I think there's so many people that are stuck. And, and let's face it, not the early adopters like us. Like we would, we would, like we would jump on it. But I think the average user, um, you know, and, and this was actually something that was brought up that was really interesting. You know, and for those that are listening and you're like, wait a second, Facebook wasn't down. You know, it was, it was not Facebook's um, consumer-facing apps. It was their internal apps uh, and their enterprise uh, level side of their apps. But one of the things that I thought was really interesting is, you know, this, a lot of this has to do with the SDK, a lot of the integration and app development. But one of the biggest um, things that I think it, to answer that question is that, you know, Apple uh, and Apple is really because of their of, you know, how amazing their app, their app ecosystem is. People have, have a lot less priority in making a web app byproduct of the app, right? Because the only reason you're doing that is for people that aren't like if you're a Windows user and there's not a, you know, on a Windows phone, which I don't even know how many people there are. A lot of times you're refer you're using a shortcut to a web-based app because Windows doesn't have an app that's supported for your platform. So like, I mean, they, they said it, I mean, they said a lot of the Facebook employees went to the web app on their phone for the first time and were like, oh my God, this is embarrassing that we have a web app that hasn't been updated in years. So I think there's a, there's like a weird shift here. And I think we talked about this a couple of years ago on like, you know, what does the future hold? Will it still be apps or will it be HTML mobile friendly um, websites that are a little bit easier dynamically created? They're a little bit less controlled. I mean, for an app in the app store, you still have to go get approved by Apple. For a web-based program that can be accessed via the Safari browser, there is no Apple approval process, right? And so I think this is that, that interesting play. And, and one of the things that, that was pointed out is that these companies haven't tested how much data access they can get through the web-based interface. So right now we know, we know how much data they get because they're using the, the app SDK. So I think this weirdly bigger picture around this is I wonder if this kind of has some of these app companies or and, you know, it's some of the big boys. And, and remember there was other companies that were affected with this um, by Apple, Apple pulled DoorDash's um, uh, certificate. Apparently they pulled up uh, you know, a couple other ones that were in this space, but um, I don't know. It's a very interesting state. I think with app development, who controls the apps. Um, and, and I think there's also remember like how funny is it that, you know, Google has their own ecosystem within an Android. You know, I wonder if they ever, if they, were tempted to flex their own muscles in that world, right? And I think that's that's an interesting space. But I think Daniel, I think the other part of this that I think is, you know, is an interesting state. We are. This is February first, two thousand nineteen. If you look at these three big companies that we're talking about: Facebook, Apple, Google. None of the three of them are very well liked at the moment. Isn't that interesting? Like, if you think about, if you would have, if we would have told you, if I would have asked you two years ago. Like, what is the state or what is, like, the public persona of Facebook, Apple, and Google? No way does someone predict that all three companies at the moment are kind of meh. And what do, you, where, what, do you, what do you attest to that? Because I think this is also one of those weird things that we threw all three of these companies in the, the limelight. They all three kind of are trying to play nice together. I mean, things are kind of fixed at the moment. But it's almost like um, you, you have to make a PR play and somehow make it to the point where you're like, well, now we're playing nice together and you should like us again. I mean, where, what do you think has caused this state? Does this have anything to do with kind of this wrestling at the top? Well, I don't know that it would directly be associated to this. I mean, this whole thing doesn't really affect most users. The bug from Apple on FaceTime though does it did. Like you said, they had to shut down the whole feature. 
I'm still not even, I still shut down FaceTime as a whole until the patch comes up for the whole thing. Cause I still don't know. We're assuming cause they shut down the thing that they found is broken that nothing else is broken. I don't, right. I don't operate that way. Yep. Um, so I'm waiting. I, I said, Steve jobs would be turning over in his grave three or yep. four times because there's no way that bug would ever happen under him. It no never way. would have happened. The attention to detail, quality control at that company has gone off the rails. Yep. My phone's, my 10 has been super glitchy. I can truly say I've entered a yeah. time for the first point with Apple where I cannot say emphatically that the products are actually superior quality-wise. Now, huh. ecosystem, different story. Right. The ecosystem's still very good. It's still very friendly, and it's still very hard to leave. Right. But the products themselves are not as superior. They've had lots of trouble. They've had issues with the battery life. They've had issues with the devices. They've had bugs in iOS. That just never happened before. So that's Apple. And then you have, you know, Facebook, uh, Google, I would actually say I could always expect to be some, some pushback. They always yeah. sort of had their ways of sort of manipulating the, the, the public. From the marketer standpoint, always tweaking their algorithms, yep. taking people's data, not knowing what your data was being used for. People were probably more aware of the data abuse of Google than, than anything else along the way. <laughs> You're right. Um, That's a good point. Their hardware has always kind of been on the fringe of being any good. Um, in people's minds. So they've never had that diehard community around Google. Um, They had a really kind of cool known for employee experience, which I always sort of admired. Um, But But I'm pretty sure they Even that's being tested at the moment from- Right. But I was going to say open offices, napping pods. What they really meant was don't ever leave work. Uh, That's pretty (laughs) much, I think, what that actually was about. Um, And then Facebook, I think that's the one that's probably even more surprising to me, though, is because that was the darling forever. And they have- Theirs is like watching a train wreck in slow motion (laughs) right now. I, I said this, I tweeted something like this. It's like to be an executive every day at Facebook, you have to wake up and say, how can I take advantage and violate the privacy of my customers today? How can we just completely um, maliciously violate them? Uh, um, I, think it, I think it's a little harsh. I think that's a little harsh. Well, well hold on. I mean, they, they referring to the children as whales who are spending mom and dad's money um, on gaming yeah, but, apps. But so I mean, I'm the, guessing there's lots of backend memos that are at that level that just haven't got leaked. But that's cultural. I mean, that's Brian, true. you talk about culture. You talk about that in your keynotes all the time. You talk about what makes organizations, taking risks, chances, being leaders, being change ready. They're talking in their memos about how to abuse their customers' data. I mean, that's, yep. that's crazy. And this isn't the first time it's happened. Like I, I can only log in my mind the events of the last week. So this whole thing um, with Apple started over their avoidance of flight path for getting this newly anointed Facebook research app out, yep. which was, by the way, a, a 2.0 version of a VPN company <laughs> that they bought and that they got smacked upside the head for publicly more quietly than now for abusing uh, data because that yep. had nothing to do with helping them do anything better. It had to do with getting more data. Um, they made acquisitions based upon monitoring behavior of these users of their, their VPN product so they could get all the data from them. And now yep. they were they were so they've they've been sponging on kids with games and now kids with research. You know what that reminds me of, Brian? What's that? Big tobacco. Oh, that, interesting. If you really think about it, the liken to 
we don't want kids to smoke. We put these things on our boxes that says no one under 18 should smoke. But in the back rooms, right, what did they have the reputation for? That they were trying to figure out how to make smoking look cool and, 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 and try to cowboys and getting young children hooked on cigarettes was great because it was a lifetime of, of income to them. They've hooked us on this technology, but the difference is like with children, it's just abusive. So, you know, I I know I'm harsh on them. I said this in my last podcast for future. I said, look, these great companies and they are all great companies in their own way. So after all that negative, let me say the positive real quickly. They're all great companies doing great things. They're at the center of the innovation ecosystem of the way we communicate and the way we connect all over the world. They don't need more fans. They need more critics. They need more critics. They need people to help them realize what they're doing wrong. Right. Because look, Apple made $20 billion last quarter. They don't need another fan. Nope. They need honesty. And what I'm saying is the market has been sort of dishonest to them for a long time by continuing to buy their products without ever questioning what they were doing with their data. Yep. And so now kind of coming full circle, we as people who, whose private data is being utilized to make these companies really, really rich. That's true. Have some right to question how our data is being used. And especially when we're paid customers. So like with right. Facebook, when you're using a free product, I've always said, if the product's free, you're the service. But with an Apple, we're paying to use Apple. We are. You know, you're paying we're a paying lot of you. money. <laughs> so we so, should have so so I, I want to add a little, like, I want to shift, like, I want to add a different perspective to that. And, and almost comes to this question, right? We have at the moment, we are, the innovation speed right now is like faster than we've ever seen before, right? As well as, as kind of the growth, as well as our access. And I would say also trust of big brands is at its all time low, right? Would you kind of agree with that? It's kind of, we're in that weird space. But I, yeah, I would, yeah. the, the thing I want to throw out here is, I remember, you know, when I was in the cybersecurity space, right? And so one of the biggest misconceptions um, forever was that Microsoft was more vulnerable of a platform than, or Microsoft Windows was more vulnerable than Macintosh Apple. And everyone, you know, the the naive people or the, the novice would say that. But really what it came down to is that Microsoft owned 92% of the share of, of, of machine technology that was being used for businesses around the world. And hackers and those that were trying to um, leverage things were going to pay attention to the 92% rather than try to write something separately for the 8%. So let me tie this back to where we're at now. It took, you know, Microsoft was the king. Also, same was Gateway and Dell machines, right? Like there, if you look at it, like there was a, there was a time where, you know, you, you could throw Dell and Microsoft um, and probably Google at the same time as like the three big Goliaths. They were much bigger than Facebook. They were much bigger um, than Apple. But Microsoft took a, a, a big hit and, and Apple kind of became the sexy innovator. Um, we went from boardrooms being Windows machines to, uh, you know, having Apple machines. And so I guess what I weirdly look at this as is Microsoft's done an amazing job of like quietly resurging. And I think they are we, we, I think we both predicted last year and this year for Microsoft to be one of those companies that blows some innovation out of the water. But I think there's also this something that we have to, to be looking at and saying, when companies are the top three or the top five, there is a much more, ten, uh, there's a higher tendency of us paying more attention. There's a higher tendency of us poking more 
you know, uh, let's say holes in there. And so I, I, the, the question that becomes really weird is that I don't believe there is a Facebook replacement at the moment or something that is in that space, but there is, a, there is something to be said about Microsoft trumping Apple and someone kind of playing with Google. So, I mean, I think of it, there's, there's also something out there that says these Goliaths are not liked right now and they're going to have some troubled days ahead. And it's the same as the Microsoft late 90s, early 2000 days. Yeah, but you actually look now, and those companies have sort of fallen a little bit more into the background day to day, but they're still massive. I mean, Microsoft owns LinkedIn. Yeah, of course. They have a huge um, market share, most people. But the sentiment, I bet you, if you ask the sentiment of the brand out there, is people have a much more positive sentiment of Microsoft right now. That's my point. So, like, it's taken them... 20 years um, to go from, and I wouldn't even say that, I don't think they ever had a bad sentiment in the market. I just think that, um, you know, like I remember talking to my dad into his first Apple and he like, only thing he ever knew is he watched something on Fox News that told him that Apple was more secure. And that was his reasoning for getting on an Apple device. And I, you know, like I had to teach him that there was no right click button. <laughs> and, you know, if you think about it from like the naivety side of that. So no, I agree that, I mean, micro, I mean, and Microsoft's been doing some amazing things. I just think it's, it's very interesting because the common user today has a lukewarm or bad taste in their mouth about all three of these companies, Apple, Facebook, and Google. And not only would we not have predicted that a couple of years ago, but it's also kind of like a sign of the times because there was a point where we had a very bad taste, that same taste in our mouth about a couple of other big giants that are out there. And so, you know, and, and Tesla right now has some really weird news going on. And I saw a trending on, on Twitter, uh, uh, you know, earlier this week was, you know, uh, Elon Musk to become the CEO of Apple, uh, which I was like, I mean, so I don't, I, th- I think it's, this is a weird state for the big Goliaths, you know, even, even like the big ones, like the Salesforce, Adobe, Oracle, um, those, those players, I think there's a, there's, this is a weird landscape for where everybody's kind of fitting in. Well, I certainly would say that everybody's a critic, Yep. but I do think there's a difference between constructively being critical and just being critical to be a complainer. And so what I try to focus on is I'm going to challenge, like I said, because I think they need critics, not fans, but they need constructive. They need feedback. They need useful feedback, not just diatribes, rants, complaints. And we all speak with our actions more than our words. Um, Whether that's me continuing to use an Apple phone or continuing to go on Facebook, look, we can complain all we want, but as long as we continue to use the service, they're still winning. So and I mean, winning in the sense that, you know, it's falling on deaf ears. I think the thing we learned from this whole um, action, though, is that these companies, it's not just about the little guy. It is a power. It is a power play. They're all playing and, and vying to have the most power in the ecosystem, which is our connected life. And like you said, there is nothing to really replace or displace any of these, these companies right now. Are there enough people that are actively, so I took a, um, so I have an iPad pro uh, 11 inch iPad pro, the, the, the newest one that's out there with the new pencil. Um, and I got served an Apple survey uh, two days ago and it was a, it took me a little over 20 minutes to do the survey. Uh, and I also, you know, I'm a beta user. I'm using the beta Mac OS. I'm using the beta iOS. Um, and about, I'd say, and actually I think it's probably influenced by you, Daniel. Um, you know, like as you were calling uh, kind of Apple out on some things and, and as you were kind of drawing attention, I also noticed that I used to be a very active in the beta testing feedback loop. 
And then I kind of decided, I don't really care much anymore. So I've been spending more time providing direct feedback examples. Um, you know, and I'm not getting paid for that. There's no affiliation there. But I'm going to spend 25 minutes giving them a, a unfiltered, real review of my iPad Pro experience. But I still question to your point is, you know, like, I love that we're calling it out there. And you, I think probably the, you know, the biggest takeaway of this episode is definitely the idea that, I mean, you, you said it clear as day and it, you know, it's a light bulb on my side is they definitely need more critics. They don't need more fans. Um, but they also need more people that are willing to look at it holistically and provide feedback that they're willing to, you know, like implement And even from the standpoint of, you know, um, you know, testing a new software, it's, it's, we're in an interesting space for that. So I, I, I just wonder where we are and how we, we how, how do we as consumers do better at providing these big Goliaths feedback that is not just complaining, but actually, you know, valuable. Yeah. I, I think what you're doing can definitely make a difference. I think when you write a negative, uh, piece or if you're a writer, blogger, podcaster, what are your suggestions? What should they be doing? Right. What should they be paying attention to? Um, I'm a huge advocate that they need to pay more attention and give more control to privacy. They need to be more respectful of the customers because ultimately the, the same way we flood in is the way we flood out. Just ask, uh, you know, Friendster, MySpace, Blackberry, you know, yep. ecosystems are not infallible. For they sure. aren't. Um, Apple's actually almost gone under a few different times. And it seems right. that they've obviously reached a level of stability far beyond whatever could be expected. But it doesn't take a lot of negativity. Facebook is probably the one I'm most afraid for in terms of their behavior is just bad. And I think there's going to be more that comes out about it. It just seems to me like it was really culturally entrenched in their leadership to try to grow revenue through and so i hope i mean that's the thing with me is like i want to see all these companies do well the global economy the market benefits from seeing of our big, I watch. I never want anyone to, but I do want, the fact is, is that there is that very Orwellian feeling going on right now. Um, right. You know, with our leader right now telling us not to trust our eyes and not to trust what we hear. Um, and without getting into the politics of it, our, between the companies, our privacy, our data, uh, you know, ring doorbells, looking inside our house, FaceTime bugs, opening ears, Alexa, uh, listening to us. I mean, there's, we're in a surveillance state right now and it's kind of a, a big circle, but these companies really have more power over us than any government agency because they really do have everything on you and they know so much about you. It's just crazy. You know, and I think this even goes, I don't know if you've heard about these deep fakes that are going on right now, but I, I watched a documentary on it uh, this morning, uh, actually, when I woke up and, you know, and there's people being able to use uh, artificial intelligence to overlay uh, celebrity faces on other people's bodies and, and, and so on. And there is this element of like, I mean, we are going down a really interesting deep path of uh, not only violation of trust, but, um, you know, this world that is going to be really hard to decide and decipher 
who's good, who's bad. And to your point, I think Facebook, um, you're, when you said, you know, like when you said that, I was like, you know, my thing with Facebook is I don't think Facebook goes anywhere. I think Facebook has already, I mean, Facebook at 2018 was just a horrible year for that company as a whole, but you know, there, I don't know if there's another company that can replace Facebook and, and uh, in the near term, but there is, I mean, there's going to be definitely some changes and things that have to be kind of happen across the board. I don't know if privacy is, is the, is the big complaint out there from the, the average day consumer. Uh, and if it is, I don't know how many people have a better solution because, um, you know, I'm still from the campus. I'm still willing to give up so much of my data for a better experience, even to the point where I'd be willing to pay money to be securing my data a little bit better, but to give more data so it would even increase more of my experience. Um, you know, and, I, and I, I've read a couple of things around that as well. Like, I mean, I'd pay $20 a month to really get these companies to, you know, truly lock down my data, but to serve me up only content and stuff that I select, like there's, there's, there's an interest, we're in interesting times when it comes to that, how we move forward here. Yeah. If it was a shared control, meaning give more, get more. Yes. Um, but also having some level of control and then access to uh, forget that kind of stuff. I think it could be, but I mean, to pay them for more, you don't need to pay them. They'll take it. Just, just give them your hard drive. They'll just, oh, yeah, but it's more of both right of up. us having our, you know. but yeah, if there's some, it's just some, you know, and like I said, I'm one of the biggest advocates for tech on the planet. I just for think sure. there needs to be responsibility with it uh, and governance and compliance. And, and he, my big fear right now, and this is another show topic is just that who's controlling it, right? There is yep. no, there really is no um, governance from our government over these companies because they don't understand it. And they're, they depend on this technology. They're highly dependent on this technology. And if you see it any other way, you're, you're wrong. You're foolish because, you know, who, where do they get their, their cloud from? Where do they get their, their data from? Who's helping them, you know, crack phones that they think might be, uh, you know, suspicious if they're not apples. I mean, these are, that's Google, that's, that's Facebook that, you know, um, so I truly believe there's an interdependence that's, that can be somewhat handcuffing to any real governance over what these companies are, are doing. No, and, I, and I can see that. And I, I agree there on, on how we're, you know, and how all those things, not only governance, but, you know, who controls what, where does things land? I mean, you and I, we've talked about that as, you know, as far as the cloud goes and even managing our data, um, even managing our shared resources for things that we're working on is still a, a very interesting play. Um, you know, I'm also interested to see, you know, as we move forward throughout 2019 and there's a lot more um, attention being played to, uh, you know, like, I mean, I mean, as crazy as this all is, right? We're, we're talking about Facebook, Apple, and Google. I mean, Facebook released their, uh, their on January 29th or January 30th, um, their ad revenue growth, and they had one of their best years ever, or one of their best um, quarters ever when it comes to um, the, the amount of ad revenue, as well as the amount of value from a click, you know, uh, per click basis marketers were seeing on Facebook. So it's such a, it's such a funny thing of like, times are bad, things are all over the place, people are not like their privacy of data, but right now marketers are feeling like there's no better place in the world to uh, spend their advertising dollars than on Facebook. The second most popular place to spend your advertising dollars is on Google ads, right? So, um, and the number one smartphone in the world is, uh, well, smartphone in the United States is Apple. So it's a, uh, it's interesting times. I love this discussion. I think um, I'm glad we kind of brought it up now. I think it'll be fun to circle back on this kind of the end of 2019 and just see where we've gone. I'm guessing some of your predictions around Facebook uh, more 
more things coming out around Facebook culture um, will be apparent. I also think Google culture has been under some uh, things. You know, Google, even when Google employees left, I've always said this. I knew Google cultures was good because when Google employees left, they all put X Google in their, bro- their profile. I now question if people are willing to do that. I've seen, I've read probably four articles in the last two weeks that had uh, Google employees kind of exposing some things uh, inside of that culture. Uh, and then the other part of this is what, what other players step up to, bait, to, to bat, like, you know, the Teslas, the Microsofts, um, the Oracles, the Adobes um, in the world, SAPs. You know, it's, it's a very interesting landscape. So this is a fun topic. I'm glad, I'm glad we had it. Uh, you know, thank you, everybody, for, you know, listening to our, us kind of debate this. As always, you know, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. You know, you can use hashtag smack talk or you can uh, even tweet at the, the smack talk handle which is uh, at smack talk live on twitter uh, twitter is kind of like the number one place to kind of connect with us in the show and if you have ideas for future episodes or things that you think we can uh, break down or even articles that we could reference in shows you know feel free to do that but uh daniel i'll kind of give you the last word on this one as we wrap up this episode no it's just a great topic brian and i do appreciate you know we hope you'll follow us stick with us this year we've already been doing a way better job of consistently having the show Uh, this is going to be a hot topic for a long time and these companies along with the amazons netflix uh, tesla's like you mentioned microsoft these are all going to be really hot because they are core to everything we do in our lives some of it's really up front and out there some of it's behind the scenes but stick with us stay with us comment talk to us follow us engage with us and we appreciate you being part of smack talk so for this show brian and i we'll see you later Cheers, my friends.